Hey, ghouls, gals, creeps, means. So I want to take a second here real quick to say thank you one more time myself to all of you amazing listeners for how supportive you've been of Punk Rock Horror Podcast for these past few years that we've been around. Um, it definitely means a lot to us, and it's definitely helped us get past over 100 episodes. Um, and the question would be to that is would we still have done it? whether or not we weren't getting good reception or whether or not we didn't have a following and and the you know the answer is maybe on one end we would say yes we would because we do enjoy doing this but i also think the other answer would have to be no too just because um you know it it, it can be hard to do this sometimes because you don't know who is listening to the show um and you know it when we do get uh responses on our lpc uh you know, questions or, or anything like that. It means a lot to us. Or when we do just have listeners that will just reach out to us and say, Hey, you know, this show means a lot to me. Um, you know, you guys, you know, keep me laughing, like stuff like that means the world to us. And we do take it uh, to heart and we take it seriously and it helps keep pushing us forward. So yeah, I hope that kind of answers that question. Um, but anyways, with that being said, we did have for the listener participation for this past Monday, what we did is we asked, you know, listeners to send in a testimonial uh, recorded or written and we included in the Monday's episode. Um, we didn't really get that many responses, so we wanted to wait just a few more days after the Monday episode came out to see if anybody sent something in. Um, and we still didn't get too much, and that's okay. Um, we were well aware of what how, how many people might send stuff in and, and wouldn't send stuff in. Not a big deal. However, we did actually get one uh, one testimonial from our music producer, um, uh, Big Boot Studio. And so... You know, we're going to play it here after this, and then we'll jump into the episode. But again, I just want to say thank you so much, Google's Gals, Creeps, and Mutants, for everything you've done. Um, we're working hard at standing out and being a standout podcast. And if there are things that you would like to see us improve on um, or not change, the best way to do that is if you can't send us an email, let us know on iTunes review. Let us know in the YouTube comment descriptions of any more videos. Um, let us know. We are reading these things. We are listening to them, and we are taking them in. So, again, thank you so much, and let's jump into it. Hey, what's up, guys? It's me, Leo, otherwise known as Big Boot Studio. I'm going to go ahead and tell you why I like the Punk Rock Horror Podcast. Besides having the same great taste in music and movies, Matt and Cody provide a very home-like, casual environment. When I'm listening to these two guys go off on random tangents, it feels like you're listening to your two best friends bicker. You just sit around and laugh at whatever the fuck they're going on about. It's pretty much hanging out with two friends for about 45 minutes at a time. While I started listening last year for the horror reviews, I've stayed a loyal fan for their great personalities. Congratulations on the 100 episodes, boys! Here's to 100 more! Recently, I've been um, testing Aaron's ability to watch horror, and yeah. the only reason I've been doing that is because on uh, there's been a few times where I've been doing movie reviews where she actually uh, tried sneaking a peek at what I'm watching, even after like she's gone to bed. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, she's getting more curious, and like I've caught her just like staying there watching what I'm watching, and 
as that's help as that, as that's going on, you know, I, I kind of decided, okay, let's let's see how far this has gone. Let's see how much horror she can actually do. Yeah. So um, I decided I've never seen it before, but I decided to start watching Little Monsters with her. It's a Hulu. Oh, I, I almost started watching that. Yeah, yeah, it's the one with Josh Gad and yeah. Lu, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. I think I'm saying her name right. Yeah. Um, Josh Gad gets offed horribly. <laughs> <laughs> I we didn't get to that part yet. It's but great. so, um, so I've never seen it before. We're watching it, and I have to talk with her beforehand. I'm like, okay, so if if, if you see blood, is it real? She's like, no. I'm like, right, right. But why is it not real? And she's like, because it's fake. I'm like, exactly. So if you see someone get hurt and they start bleeding, is that real? She's like, no. I'm like, why? Because it's fake. So, we, you know, we have this whole conversation. She knows yeah. that if what happens in the movie is fake. So it gets to the first scene where, like, the first zombie, I think, like, a zombie is eating, like, an animal. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, the first, like, sign of the zombie in the movie. Yeah. Um, to that, or he's eating a person. <laughs> and it's just, like, Aaron's, like, she, you know, we're, she's in the movie. She's invested up to that point, And then she's just, like, can we watch something else? <laughs> so it's, like... Okay, and I was like, oh crap, I really, you know, screwed the pooch on this one. I, I jumped her way into this. I should have done something far more tamer because I thought she could handle it because she was, like I said, she was mm-hmm. watching all the heavier stuff I was watching. <laughs> I just didn't notice that she was doing it until, like, I turned around or I yeah. got up to go to the bathroom. Um, and then, so I was like, okay, we'll, we'll watch something else. So we started watching a cartoon. I don't even remember what we watched, but then, like, during the middle of the cartoon, she's like, can we watch Little Monsters again? <laughs> I was like, but you said you were scared of it, I thought. And she's just like, I, I was, but I'm not now. She just needed a, needed a quick break. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, okay, I'm ready now. So we started watching it again, and then there's a scene where like Lupita uh, Nyong'o's character is trying to get all the kids safe in the in the gift shop. Yeah. And that's the first time they like see Josh Gad's character act, you know, like in the real yeah. world, not being a child star <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, being a douchey. <laughs> yeah, and he's just yeah. like, he's like, fuck you, get the fuck away from here. <laughs> he's like, I don't give a fuck about your kids. And You're I'm like, Olaf, no. It just right, <laughs> like Aaron. And I didn't know that part was coming up. I should have seen it happening. And Aaron was there for that. And I'm just like. All right, well, I think we're done. <laughs> but it was funny because, like, um, I think I got distracted or something because I forgot to turn off the movie, and I got to the scene where they were fighting, mm-hmm. where Josh Gad's fighting with the the other guy in the movie, and they're, like, you know, just yeah. tussling around, beat each other up, and she's just, like, laughing her ass off the entire time <laughs> during that scene. And so I was just like, success? Kind of? <laughs> Maybe? Up Progress. Down? Yeah. Progress. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. And with that being said, welcome back to the Punk Rock Horror Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Cody. And today, we are here to remind you, well, what should we remind you of? Well, Wash your hands. Wash your hands, yes. <laughs> wash your hands. Even when there isn't an epidemic of a viral outbreak, you should st- wash, your st- hands. wash your hands. It's important. I've seen men who have gone, who I've shared restrooms with. You see with. men? Yep. I see men and then I see men. Okay. I see men on the sea. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to go with that. Uh, I see men to see men on the seamen. On the seashore. With other seamen. Selling seashells. For seamen. <laughs> Jizz. But, I've seen, but I just, I get so grossed out when I, like, I go to public bathrooms and, like, dudes don't, like, they pee and they don't wash their hands. I'm like, you're a fucking monster. Dude, whenever I go to the public bathroom, I wash my hands first, I go, and then I wash my hands again. <laughs> Think about it. I'm yeah. touching my dick. I don't want. I don't right. know what's on my own hands from everything else throughout the day. Right. I'm gonna want to wash right. my hands before I touch it. 
That's happened <laughs> to me. I feel that. Yeah. When, just do it after doing a very dirty job, I'm like, I'm not touching my weenus. <laughs> no, no, this isn't happening right now, man. I want to use it again. <laughs> I'm not touching my weenus or my penis. Um, and we are now here live, yeah. straight from Gorkhound's Playground. Not live for you, though. Live for us. <laughs> but for you, this is recorded, and now you're watching this. Um, so, Gorkhound's Playground still up here in Fort Collins, Colorado. Big yeah. shout out to Jeff. Mm-hmm. Check out Gorehound's Playground. If you're around this part of town, please do so. It's an amazing, yeah. amazing. You can see some really cool stuff in the background. I would move the camera, but I don't want to like upset the view I have for it. And also, <laughs> that would be really obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> but still, um, if you're on Instagram, I'll be actually posting a lot of pictures of what Gorehound's looks like. So make sure you check that out. I mean, again, by the time you probably see this, those pictures have already gone, or they're yeah. just kind of in our whole feed, so go check, check them out. Check out our Instagram for pictures. Exactly. <laughs> um, that as well, also being said, uh, check out this sweet merch, repping the Gorehounds merch. Rugrats for life. Rugrats for life. <laughs> Rugrats or die. <laughs> Dude, I'm super excited about Netflix still with that Nickelodeon deal. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Rugrats, because uh, in the next, starting in the summer, that's when like the deals are really going to go forward, and Nickelodeon's going to be able to put even more stuff on Netflix. Yeah. Guess what's coming? I don't know. Avatar: Last Airbender. Oh yeah. I'm so excited about that because I, okay, I like that show, but yeah. I've never actually watched the entire show through the entire show. Oh, man, you're I watched chunks. I know. I watched chunks about. Okay. The lump kind of ruined it for me. So yeah, it's been, fair it, it took a while, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm excited about because that's going to be on there. All the good, good SpongeBob is going to be on there. All the good SpongeBob. Yeah, the good SpongeBob. They're doing another SpongeBob. So um, we're talking about also, baby SpongeBob. And then uh, just as oh my god, no. Yeah. But oh, guys, jump in that baby craze. Oh my god! But one thing I, I was super excited that I saw with Disney Plus though was a uh, Proud Family's getting a re- uh, yeah. redo. Yeah. They're doing another season of it, and I loved that show. I mean, I don't know. Disney's kind of being weird with that whole streaming service because now the Obi Wan uh, show is actually like kind of up in the air because they had is to go it back. Really? Yeah, because they had a script. It's decided they didn't like the script. And then I guess like Ewan McGregor's fighting with the director a lot about that said script. So they go back to rewriting the script and now it's just kind of like, maybe? I wonder if uh, Rise of Skywalker had anything to do with it. Oh, I have no idea. Because that, because, okay, so I, I do enjoy Rise of Skywalker, but it did change a lot of the lore too. Yeah. But it had to because of what everything that happened with Jedi, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I wonder if that kind of caused some... Right flux and they're like we gotta add some things or change some things because we have to now redo obi-wan <laughs> yeah i don't know so. man we'll see i don't <sighs> we'll know see. yeah if it I comes mean, out great if not oh well like i'm at a point where i'm just like i you know i could take a break from star wars for a little yeah, bit they, i mean i love it because i could take a break from new star wars stuff mostly because like except for mandalorian because i'm starting to slowly get dev into it yeah because she really loved the mandalorian she actually really enjoyed watching me play uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking she's actually a Star Wars fan. So I'm just like, okay, we got a lot to cover. <laughs> gotta go, gotta go. Phantom Menace, Tycoon Clones, the entire Clone Wars animated series, Vengeance Sith, then the original trilogy, and then the new trilogy. Got a lot to go through. Yeah, we're just going to do the movies. <laughs> I'm not going to put it through all the shows. The shows will be kind of like, if she feels like it, for Clone Wars. But, 
the movies was, yeah, I think. And I'm, honestly, I could actually see Dev liking the prequels more than the other ones. I mean, I don't hate the prequels as much anymore. I don't either. I actually went back and rewatched the prequels after... I think with Skywalker, kind of kind of yeah. eased what happens in the prequels. Yeah. It made a lot more sense. So... I don't know. I there mean, it is. I, I've, I've come to enjoy... Except Clone Wars. The second one could go fuck it. So it's so boring. Sand. Really? Sand. I, I mean, I once it got to the part with like where they're actually fighting that weird gladiator scene, like I actually... It's so long to get there. I know. Okay, it's Star Wars, man. That should have been like I'm opening pretty, scene. I'm pretty positive that's why people didn't like the prequels, though, because it was mostly like the politics between the Galactic Republic and the Separatists. Well, okay, the, fir- the first one, though, I kind of understand having a little bit more politics, because you're yeah. dealing with the kid, and it's Obi-Wan com- becoming himself and stuff right. like that. So I understood a little bit more there. The second one, though, it's called The Clone Wars. I don't want to see The Clone Talks. Well, <laughs> I think what people get the misconstrued on is that The Clone uh, Wars, or Attack of the Clones, um, because that's... Oh, yeah, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, because attack, that's what it focuses on, is <laughs> Attack of the Clones in Order 66. And because um, you're supposed to watch... Or no, I think that happens in Episode 3. Episode 3 is Order 66. Yeah, sorry. I don't know yeah. why I thought it happened in Episode 2. No, because Episode uh, 2... But no, yeah. So, like, Attack of the Clones was supposed to be the intro to kind of, like, the whole war and, like, why things are getting more intense between the Separatists and the Galactic Republic. And then the whole Clone Wars series shows, like, all the battles. Yeah, the war. That, yeah, the actual war. Because, like, on one yeah. hand, I get why they did the series. Because when you actually start watching the entire Clone Wars series, the lore that they introduce into the universe yeah. makes sense as to why they couldn't do it into a movie. Oh, because, no, I'm sure. Yeah, but it's, like, like, still, you just want a little bit more action in your Star Wars Oh, yeah, movie. yeah. No, like, because, like, once they get to, like, season four, <laughs> of the Clone Wars, like almost every every story they have is tr- is divided up between three to four episodes. Yeah. So like, because I just got done doing this one where like Obi Wan went and uh, undercover, but like he mm-hmm. was he changed the way he looked, and like it was all about him dealing with Cad Bane, and like yeah. it's, it's a really cool it's a really cool few episodes, but like that alone would have been its own movie. Yeah. Because like all three though, all three or four of like those episodes put together yeah. make almost like 2 hours. Damn, nice. Like or a little over an hour and a half actually I want to yeah. say. But still like it warrants a movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch The Clone Wars at some point. It's I, just know I will tell you dude, it is far better than I thought it was going to be in the sense that even Anakin's better in the series. Oh yeah, no, every like I've seen bits and chunks of the series and yeah. I enjoyed what I saw. It was just I kind of I don't know. I just was at that point where I'm like, I don't want to wa- have to watch a series to appreciate a movie. Like, well, it's that's kind of how I was at at the point. Yeah, I had to, but, I had to leave that mindset and be like, I need to appreciate the series in order to appreciate the whole universe. Yeah, but like, I think I don't know. I I also feel like I'm more into that now. Yeah, mostly because since we started this podcast and you know I started actually looking at movies and series and books more yeah. in depth and stuff it's actually kind of, that's where i started to appreciate it's a bitter sword because i'm appreciating yeah. more the series that they do around the movies and the extra content that goes around the movies to yeah. help build lore and stuff but then it's also like man i, I would just want to watch a fucking movie yeah. i don't have to spend like 80 80 years on like one thing so well, the pacing for it's actually really good so like even like the political episodes that they have yeah. in there like aren't too bad they don't they're not too boring like because i still balance out action very well okay. within it so like watching the series i kind of understand george lucas's mindset yeah of how he was wanting to set up the entire star wars universe 
Yeah. Because watching the series, you kind of get more of like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Because it doesn't just... <laughs> so this is where he wanted the kookiness to come in to go with the like... Yeah. 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 But, but I will tell you right now, he, like, I'm fairly certain he's like hard pushing like Jar Jar Binks in the series. Yeah. Like, I hate those episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but... But it also, at least those episodes kind of go to the fan theory that he's a Sith Lord. I disagree. I still think he is. I, he's not. I think he is. We didn't get... There was no care. reveal. Don't there, care. There was no I reveal. He is. You know what? He's dead. He's basically what Kylo Ren was, because technically Snoke and Kylo weren't Siths. Yeah, but I actually like Kylo Ren and, I and Snoke Kylo more. I, I still think... Kylo like, all emo jokes about him aside, at least he can fight. I know. See, for me, like, my top three, it goes Palpatine. <laughs> that's right. Palpatine over Vader right now for me. I'm just loving Palpatine way too much. <laughs> Vader and Kylo. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my god, I love Palpatine. Seriously. The other night, like, I had a good hour to myself. Yeah. And so I just hopped on Battlefront 2 and just replayed the Palpatine mission oh, on yeah? the Dark Side Arcade over and over, just going, good, good, <laughs> give it to the heat. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they updated the game really well. It's definitely mm-hmm. become uh, its own own game. I so. love the Ewoks. Mm-hmm. Like his Ewoks now, just going, get, get, just, stab. <laughs> just stabbing him. people. <laughs> I gotta say, it's kind of rewarding, just like like killing Count Dooku with a bow. <laughs> like, like I feel like the Ewoks are the insult characters of the of Battlefront. Like if you get killed by an Ewok, like, like you need to reevaluate how you're playing the game. Yeah, but they're a little OP. Like yes, you could off them one shot, but that. Auto aim bow and arrow that they have. Well, the auto aim is also for the blasters too. Not really. No, it is. Mm. Yeah, you can get lock on for it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I it's like in the settings. It. Whatever. But, but I still st- think like the auto aim bow because you're just like and then run around like Otis from WWE, just going get there, get rock. Um. Yeah. No. Um. That being said, today. We're talking about things we love and hey we should probably actually, do <laughs> yeah, that actually really jump fast. into it we should do that fast get out of the way um yeah i mean i think we talked about one big thing we love already star but wars. we still got some more yeah <laughs> i'm willing so, to just make star wars anyways, thing we love let's introduce our love and hate today um so, so what what is love and hate for those of our new listeners so if you're new to the show or if you've been a fan for a while now and have had a hard time explaining it don't worry it will do it for you this is the segment of the show where we talk about something we love and hate that's happened in the past day, week, or month in the world around us, and we're just putting our own little opinion on it. You can agree with it or disagree with it, let us know if you do, and if not, again, it's just us giving our own little aspect of the world around us. So, that being said, uh, <laughs> trying to get better at it. I'm just like, bam, 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 bam. Um, so, uh, today, what I love is that last Friday, I took the... Entire day off from my. You were doing so good. I know, right? So mid burp. So good. Mid burp. Um, <laughs> last Friday, I took the entire day off hey, to go on a popper. to go on a field trip with uh, my daughter, and we went to the Denver Natural History Museum, mm-hmm. and so that was an awesome time. Like it was really great. Um, I loved hanging out with her and loved just like loved uh, you know watching the things that she was just amazed by at the entire museum. Um, I had to watch like two other girls that were, I mean, they're, they're cute, I guess. I, yeah. I'm weird with other people's kids that I don't really have a connection with. Yeah. Like. I, that's fair. It's hard. Cause you're like, well, it's weird. Cause for a guy yeah. in the same way, whenever like I take Audrey to the park and another little kid comes and like wants to play with her and stuff or wants yeah. to ask me a question, I'm always like, 
y'all don't think I'm trying to like kit, take the kid, right? I, <laughs> my daughter's over there. Like, <laughs> oh man, stop! Don't don't look at me. Yeah, go away, kid. I don't know you. <laughs> oh, dude, there was a there was a time where I took Aaron to the park, and she's she had, she was still learning to potty train and whatnot. Yeah, and she accidentally got too excited and peed down the entire slide. Yeah, so I, so I was like freaking out because I didn't know what to do, and I was like uh, uh, looking at just like for for some mom to come and like throw me a rag or something because <laughs> I think it was the only dad there. <laughs> yeah. No one did, and I, I guarantee they're all sitting back and like, okay, let's see how the man does this, <laughs> or I don't know. I just created that scenario in my head. Basically, what ended up happening, though, is I took my shoe off and took my sock off, and I used the sock to wipe up the pee. <laughs> and I just threw the sock away in, in the park trash can, because yeah, I'm not there's carrying... There's no point. Yeah. Have, why would I carry around a pee sock? <laughs> but they're, but I gotta say, though, the moms were impressed like that. They are like, that was really good thinking. I'm like, I know. Yeah, right. I know. On my feet. Because Dad should know what you do. I was just like, <laughs> it just reminded me of that joke uh, Chad Daniels made. About like, about like the dad who gets stuck in the blinds because he's just such a dummy when it comes to doing household <laughs> projects. And I'm like, I hope I made you proud, Chad. It's like... <laughs> Dude, I'm just a dad. I don't know how to do anything. Dude, I just work. <laughs> but no, it was awesome. And I had a proud dad moment because so we went to this indoor playground that they had. And they have the one of those interactive like water flow stations for the kids like mess with to see the physics of water flow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, so I didn't know it was chlorinated. That doesn't make it any better. But just like there was all these kids around it and i just like saw them trying to drink the water and i'm fairly positive i saw a kid walking out with a mouth full of water and i'm just like again keep in mind at the time i didn't think it was chlorinated so i thought like you know these kids are probably picking their nose they probably wouldn't didn't wash their hands after they used the bathroom they probably picked up something off the floor tried to eat it um <laughs> you know, you know stuff. and then it's just like all that water runoff and now they're drinking that and i'm like oh my god <laughs> And so I, and then I see Aaron playing in that in the station, and I'm just like, "Don't drink the water, don't drink the water." I swear to God, if you drink the water, I'm gonna slam my head into this wall, and I give up. Like I've been, I have done bad as a parent. This is the red flag. There, I can't do any better from this. I have screwed you over. If you drink this water, I give up. She didn't. Okay. So that's what I was proud about. I was like, thank God. Because <laughs> I was watching her like a hawk. I was like ready to just like hop over action movie style. Yeah. And just be like, no! <laughs> Slap the cup out of her hand. Dad, why? No! <laughs> this is gross. <laughs> and I was talking about it, our friend James is like, well, to be fair, you know the water is chlorinated. And I'm like, I don't want her drinking chlorinated water either. <laughs> and he's like, well, what, what would you rather have? I'm like, Neither! Neither! How about just good water? <coughs> How about she just doesn't drink it at all? <laughs> I appreciate him trying to help, but he's like, it's chlorinated. I'm like, that doesn't help. James! Get it, James! That's still a chemical she's drinking! <laughs> like, our camera's not gonna kill her instantly. I don't want her to do it at all. <laughs> so it's just like, come on! Bring out about that. Um, the thing I hate, though, is is because I started watching. Uh, that docuseries mm-hmm. called uh, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to go into the very heavy stuff about it because it is a true crime series yeah. about the murder of this eight-year-old little boy in California that happened in 2012. Um, it's a very, very, very heavy docuseries. Uh, if you do watch it, I strongly recommend that you go into it uh, knowing that there are some heavy trigger warnings for uh, abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, um, it's and, and even torture. It's really bad. It's rough. It's rough. So, it's a rough story. So keep that in mind if you go watch it. It's it's definitely, I will say, probably one of the heaviest 
uh, docuseries on Netflix. But anyways, um, you're why the it's not also just about that, but it's also kind of shining a light on the corruption that the board of supervisors have in California. Uh, because they're in charge of like the beaches and the parks, um, yeah. and you know the funding for that, and also with yeah. child services. Yeah. And so you know Gabriel had all these signs that you know he was being abused, mm-hmm. and child services didn't do anything about it. They didn't take him away, and they say you know the reason that they didn't is because it's a very traumatizing experience to take a child away. And in that case, do you yes, think so is getting burnt with a slit cigarette? Well, so there is the case that they're making. Like why it's hard is that the, I forget who was talking, but she said it's kind of like a pendulum of where it goes between well if we take the one kid away do we take all the kids away you know and it goes back and forth kind of mm-hmm. like that and then where do they you know where do we find them to go because you find out that the 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 holding place the command center for the children's services was actually just having kids stay there like starting at like 13 kids Dang. going over to almost three over 300 Damn. And then you find out that one of the lead supervisors, one of the lead heads people, one of the head people of the child services, reached out to his managers, board of supervisors, like, "Hey, this is getting out of hand. We need help." And they basically threatened him by fi- threatening him, were threatening him with termination. Yeah, for Jeez. saying something. And so it's just like made me so mad about it because I'm just like, and it's possibly because, also because I'm a dad now too, but it's just like, uh, you know, like it, it makes me so mad thinking that there is a kid that is literally that it needs this help and needs help needs to be saved you know mm-hmm. and you find out in the docuseries that he's crying about having to go on a bus to go home yeah you know and the teacher you know w- was reporting this over and over to child, child services and just like nothing was being, being done about it because nothing was done about it and unfortunately the child lost his life yeah. and it made me so mad because it's like you know uh, I, I try to always have a benefit of the doubt kind of uh, mindset until I get all the facts yeah like I'd like to believe that there are some officials higher up that aren't terrible you know because I gotta have some sort of hope like that mm-hmm. but then when the world shines a harsh light on the fact that a lot of people just care about their title and the money they have and not what they do for others it just makes me so mad mm-hmm. and it, it just like makes me want to burn down like that, <laughs> that entire building like I'm not gonna yeah. actually go do it FBI chill out <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, it's, it's infuriating because it's like, um, yeah, it's just one child in a statistic sense. But in reality, it's a human being yeah. who lost their life. Someone who did not ask to not only be brought into this world, but also did not ask for the horrible things that were done to them. Yeah. Um, and the people that were supposed to be there weren't there for him. Now, I don't know how it's ended. I didn't finish the series yet. So if there's something I'm missing that doesn't really add up, then that's why. Yeah. Um, but that's just what I hate. And, and I'm just going to shout out if you have a young kid in your life, whether it's your child or someone that you're related to or just even a kid that is your friend's kid, like uh, just uh, remind them that you love them and, and, and just hold them dearly. So, mm-hmm. uh, Cody, take it away. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> Try to follow that up. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, thing I love is uh, I just got done celebrating my mom's 60th birthday. Yay. Yeah, so uh, that Can was I a lot of fun. Can I say her name? Was she get upset? Mom's Belinda. Okay. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I know she likes anonymity, so. Sort of. But, yeah, no, um, yeah, me and her uh, and her friend, uh, family friend, Marcus, and uh, my stepdad, Gary, went to uh, Black Hawk and celebrated it. Nice. Ended up winning. Uh, we ended up winning over seven hundred dollars, so we actually came out positive. I was excited <laughs> yes. about that. Yes. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. It was just nice being able to spend some time with my mom. Like Devin, Audrey didn't come, so it was kind of nice. Just you know, 
actually me having some time with right. just my mom and stuff. Right. And it well, was I really nice. And that. even Deb was like, you know, as much as she wanted to go, she thought it was also like, it was good for me just for me to go and spend some time with my mom. So yeah. That, that was a lot of fun. It was it was really nice. It was nice to get away. It's also hard to take a kid up to yeah. Blackhawk and like try to keep them. Oh, yeah. Well, she, Audrey wouldn't have been able to go like yeah. whatsoever. Because I, I don't know if there's some parts that are age restricted. I know there are some parts yeah, that are age restricted. Yeah, there are some. It, it, it just would have been. Either way. It, either way. It was just better of just not having Audrey there yeah. for that time just because it was casinos and stuff. No place for a kid. Yeah. And so. <laughs> and uh, Here, go to the penny slots. Make yourself useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Here, go win daddy some money. <laughs> no one's going to suspect you because you're three. <laughs> Let's see if you're a lucky charm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And, um, also like, it was also kind of nice cause that was the first like real big thing that I did ever since I've dropped down to just one job in the podcast now. Yeah. Super exciting. Cause I have a lot more time on my hands now. So the like time. I the time to put more into the podcast and I could do better research and all kinds of stuff. So I'm excited about that. Get to put more time into time with Audrey and Dev. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. And, uh, so that, I guess that's two things that I love, but um, nice. mostly nice. The, the time with my mom. The thing that I hate is something that I found out over, like, just before we started recording. And so it links to something that I was going to talk about anyways. But so the two issues that link into the same, the same thing, overall issue that I hate. So one is uh, um, Garth Brooks. He just had a concert. And there's a lot of controversy over his concert in Detroit. Because right. he was wearing, okay, he was wearing a Detroit Lions Barry Sanders jersey. Barry Sanders jersey uh, Barry Sanders is a Hall of Fame running back from Detroit Lions. Yeah. He's a if you know football, you know who Barry Sanders is. Even some people who don't know football, right. he's a big name. Yeah. Most people know who, the name Barry Sanders. Anyway, so he decided to in Detroit to wear a Barry Sanders football jersey and it's a Detroit Lions jersey and it says <laughs> but it says Sanders 20 on his back what's a big name <laughs> who has a last name of sanders that's a big thing that happening with 20 in a title so everyone was harassing harassing garth brooks saying calling him a piece of shit for po- doing politics during a concert because yeah. everyone thought he was saying i support bernie sanders and it's like come on man like it's literally right. a 20 a right. 10 second google Detroit Lions, Sanders 20, it'll show up. Bernie Sanders was a Detroit Lion running back with the number 20. Yeah. So the stupidity of that also links into this. So everyone knows about the coronavirus epidemic. That's possible, you know, possible actual plague epidemic to be released in America and stuff. And, you know, it can be a scary thing. Yep. It can be a very scary thing, but... What's not scary about the coronavirus is it actually has no link to corona Corona. beer. And, but people think that because it's, I know there's been jokes that people actually believe the corona beer is related to the coronavirus. So the corona stocks and everything have plummeted. Corona beers plummeted because of a virus that has nothing to do with them. And also Plague Inc. Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) So it's just like, it's like, come on. Like, please. If you see something, take the 10 seconds to just go Google it. You know what's funny about it? Google these issues. Like, it's not that hard. The Toby, the Garth Brooks thing, easily Google Detroit, or uh, 
Garth Brooks jersey, Sanders jersey, and you'd find it's actually a Barry Sanders right. jersey. Right. How can you get the coronavirus? It is not from drinking Corona beer because they're not related. So, come on. Oh, yeah, because that joke isn't dead already. I know. I need my Corona with my Lyme disease. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I drink Bud Light. I'm good with Corona. I'm not going to get it. (laughs) So that's just the thing that I hate is like how how dumb some people can be with that kind of thing. And it's just most people nowadays, you have a smartphone in your pocket that has a Google bar. Just Google the thing. It's not that hard. Okay, and but that that's just all, and I and I know I'm like one of those that falls into clickbait sometimes, but come on, right? That's just common sense that a Barry Sanders jersey and the coronavirus have nothing to do with Corona, <laughs> or so, Bernie Sanders, or Bernie Sanders. So that's the thing that I hate. It's just just Google, just Google. Use Google. There's a great thing. That's a smartphone. Stop that's judging. very well prevalent. Stop. Yes, yeah, internet's judging. everywhere. If you don't, ha- if somehow for some reason you don't have a smartphone, I'm sure someone you could throw a stick in a crowd and they'll have a, a fucking smartphone to Google the answer. There's a lot of kids that have smartphones these days. Yeah, that too. It's a thing. But, so yeah. So. All right. So you went first last week. Yeah. Now we're gonna jump into our movies. So for our movies, I did go first, so you're gonna go first this time. But just to give a quick little thing about them. So because we talked about a very uh, semi-famous, I don't think she was very famous, but Jane Toppin, we decided to pick our movies all about... Female serial killers. Female serial killers or female antagonists in the movies. So, I mean, we did actually look for films that were about Jane Toppin, and Mm -hmm. there literally are none. Like, I, I like even, there's some kind of inspirations, but there were so yeah. many nurses that poison serial killer nurses that poison people. You can't say Jane right. Toppin was the one, right? Like, so, but she's one of the earliest, um, yeah. And, but I mean, you'll know about it, you, yeah. You'll know uh, supposedly, that. you've wa- heard the Monday Hopefully. episode. Hopefully, that was good. So, I learned a lot of interesting things about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was. She was nuts. So, the irony of my movie is that we <laughs> talked about this last Friday, that we keep passing on this one until the opportunity comes. But guess what, Cody? This was the opportunity. I told you it would present itself. I told you it would. I know. I know. We had a huge argument about whether we actually did this movie or not already. And it took a while to go through our fucking movie reviews to figure it out if we've done it. So what movie, Matt? So I decided to do 2009's The Loved Ones. <laughs> Directed by Sean Bierne and written by Sean Bierne. Also stars Xavier Samuel, Robin McLeavy, and John Brumpton. The synopsis is when Brent turns down his classmate Lola's invitation to the prom, she concords a wildly violent plan for revenge. Which, eh, kind of. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, I'm not going to really give them shit about the synopsis again. Because yeah. I feel like I do it every episode. <laughs> it's like, come on, IMDb. You know what you're about. You know you get one good one. But I'm also baking on. I'm baking on like the idea that they're actually gonna like listen to us. <laughs> There's gonna be one IMDb like author that's gonna listen to us. Go, hey, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what it's like, man. Uh, I really hope it's the one who actually wrote one of the like synopsises for right. one of the movies. <laughs> but I'm also like really nervous because I started thinking about. It. I'm like, wait, what if it's actually coming from the film cr- creators, like the people that worked on the film that made the synopsis? Well, do better. <laughs> do then you should know your own movie. Do gooder. Do gooder. <laughs> do gooder. Do gooder. So, uh, the loved ones. So, just jumping into this, uh, this was actually a really close choice I was gonna make for last week's topic, talking about uh, strong female. Uh, uh, influences in horror, mm-hmm. um, but Part I'm glad. Du. 
part de. <laughs> but I'm glad I saved it. And so um, I only have two cons, but I have a shit ton of pros. And by a shit ton, I mean a little over ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good movie, man. They did oh, a lot a of good things movie. right. Um, so this is now the fourth time I've watched this movie. Um, which, by my uh, by my own narcissistic uh, rating approval, if I am willing to go back and watch a movie more than a second time, then that by that definition alone makes me see that film as a classic already. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you feel the same way, then this is why I decided to go with this film. But what I love about it, so jumping into the pros, it does not hesitate to jump <laughs> what into What if it's a terrible movie that you're just forced to watch more than twice? Like, like what? Like what would be the example? Like Twilight. That's different. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm being forced. I know. But... Well, I'm not being forced, but I'm, I'm doing it f- selflessly for someone else. <laughs> so that's the difference. Okay. Like, that's the difference. Okay. Because, like... Because, like, there's a lot of movies we both watched more than twice that we're just like, ah, God, fight, fine. Okay. Via <laughs> my choice. Okay. Wanting to watch it again. Thank you. <laughs> So, uh, first pro, movie jumps right into its story. And then it's not a long intro, which, I mean, if you've listened to the show for a while now, you know I'm definitely not a fan of stupidly long intros with a very basic stock shots. Um, I hate those types of intros, so I'm glad this one just, it, it just jumps right into it. It jumps into the scene of Brent, who is played uh, by uh, Xavier Samuel, riding in the car with his father and just spending time together. And as they're driving down this road in the Australian outback, they see a uh, man on the road with a bloody chest in the shape of a heart. Um, yeah. And so they swerve out of the way, and as they swerve, they crash into the tree. Um, Jesus Christ. Scene fades out, comes back into a few, some time later, and now we see Brent, who is obviously changed. He's definitely more somber. Um, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's at school now. And, and we see, you know, his friend talking to him about the prom that's coming up. I think it's prom. It's either prom or Sadie Hawkins, I think. I think it's Sadie It's Hawkins. homecoming. Is it homecoming? Yeah, it's homecoming. Okay, so it was a homecoming. It's, it's or, like, no, 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 no. But, I mean, it's that, homecoming or prom, because her whole thing was uh, she wanted to be the queen. Prom I think it, queen or homecoming queen. I mean, either way, it doesn't matter. Like, it's a dance. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mid- no, it, it's like It's like the Australia, least... do you do both? <laughs> <laughs> do you have prom and homecoming? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I All the jokes I want to make would be really dumb, like more dumb than normal. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not. It's prom. You literally read it in the synopsis. I did read. God, it. we're stupid. Yeah. Sometimes. So I mean, why are you listening to us? <laughs> but anyways, there's one person sitting there like you just fucking read it. <laughs> um. So anyways, uh. His friend is talking, Brent's friend is talking to him about prom and, you know, who's he going to go with. And Brent has a girlfriend. Um, so, at this point, we are also introduced to the character Lola, who comes up and asks Brent, Hey, do you have a date to the prom? Would you like to go with me? And he poli- he actually does turn her down, but he turns down in a very polite manner. Um, you know, he's he's like, I'm really sorry. You know, I'm going with someone else. Uh, how you would imagine someone politely rejecting someone would. Yeah, he's... Um, yeah, he's like, I'm going with my girlfriend. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's the one I'm already in he's with. going with my girlfriend, you fucking <laughs> slut. Come on, you should know I'm already dating her. We're not very closed off about it. <laughs> like, we have sex in the halls all the time. Yeah, look, I'm. she's blowing me right now. <laughs> that doesn't happen. No. Um, <laughs> but he does have a girlfriend. Yeah, and they do have sex, but not like that. 
Um, but so the scene continues on from there, it's, and then it's more appropriate. It's okay. more, it's more appropriate. You know, watching teens have sex there's, there's more the way it would be yeah, appropriate. There's more class to it. It's not just <laughs> blah, 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 right there in the hallway. <laughs> no, it's like blah, 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 in her car. <laughs> but um, during that scene, though, I'm glad we are bringing it up because one thing I do kind of want to give a pro to this movie about is that it touches on grief and a trauma in an honest light. Yeah, it's not the it main really focus good. of the film, but remember how, like, if you've been listening to us for a while now, uh, we talked about that horror is this great medium to talk about very serious subjects mm-hmm. such as you know self harm, trauma, PTSD, stuff like that. Um, and so I'm really glad that they included you know what is grief and what is trauma after losing the father in the accident, yeah. when, which we were introduced to in the beginning of the film. Um, so as they're in the car, as Brent's with his girlfriend and they're making out, you know, things are getting hot and heavy. She takes off his shirt and sees that he's been cutting his side with this razor that he has on his neck. Yeah. Um, and so like that right there, like is, is really kind of like showing you instantly how like upfront and brutal this movie is going to kind of be in a small dose. Yeah. So she drops him off at home. (laughs) It's like vivid detail, right? Yeah. Good. Good after cut now wait till <laughs> wait till you see it oh yeah so uh just you wait after she drops him off you know she she keeps asking him you know who who asked you to the prom you know who who asked you and he's been like teasing with her and he's like oh i need more things than that in order to tell you you know trying to get because yeah. they're in love and yeah you know horny teenagers horny that whole honeymoon thing like oh i'll tell you if you touch it yeah <laughs> basically like, oh i want to know boop but so so he ends up telling her it was like oh it was it was lola uh, I forget Lola's last name in the movie, but he's, he's like, it was Lola that asked me out. And she's like, okay, well, maybe you should go with her because maybe she would like to go with someone who is, likes being a mess. Trying to, like, give him a hard time. Yeah. And so, uh, with that... Stone. Um, Lola Stone. Lola Stone, name. thank you. Lola Stone um, is the character's name that he mentions. So, uh, he goes back into his house and, you know, sitting on his bed... Just looking through pictures of him and his dad. Um, his mom opens the door and asks how you got home. And, and he's like, uh, you know, my girlfriend, she dropped me off. And she's like, she's like, oh, well, next time I'll just buy you a taxi. And so he gets frustrated and he's just like, it's still a car, mom. It doesn't matter what it is. It's still a car. Mm-hmm. And the scene, like, it'll flip. It, it, if you're not really used to trauma or know what that's like or grief it'll go over your head at first yeah but like the the first because you normally think oh it's him riding with a stranger that she doesn't know too well aside from being his girlfriend yeah where it's more so not just that it's that because the father died in the car accident yeah that's the issue it wouldn't matter what car he takes and so i liked that part because that's what i'm talking about where it touches on the very um honest light of like grief and trauma and the effect it has on a family Mm -hmm. um especially when you lose someone in a very tragic way like that yeah and so and so i I applaud it for that because that's really a sensitive thing to like throw into a movie especially a horror movie Mm -hmm. of this content and they do it very well they do it in a very tasteful manner um for how brutal this movie gets later on um, so at this point, um, he walks out of the house just fi- after fighting with his mom and his mad, goes to this cliff where he goes and gets high at, and this is where the film picks up, because at this point he gets abducted by, uh, John, uh, the, uh, actor John Brumpton, who plays the dad, Daddy. Eric. Yeah, Daddy Eric, which is Lola's dad. <laughs> Wake up, uh, he finds himself in, uh, tux, and it is, he is bound to this chair, and this is where the movie goes into the very very brutal and very psychotic mindset of lola stone um so robin mcleavy 
is an, another pro for this movie because she is just amazing at being crazed and psychotic and is perfect playing Lola yeah, Stone. Like she, she is, did great. Yeah, she and really, uh, I kind of want to give a nod to all the actors in this movie because they all did really, really well. Um, so, because this is one of those few movies that when you get invested in, you have to remind yourself that it's acting and it's fake. Yeah. Because these actors, I mean, because the majority of the movie uh, is focused on uh, Brent, Lola, and her dad, yeah, and the, in their kitchen, and just Brent being tortured and tortured upon tortured, mm-hmm. and they sell it very well. Like, um, and I and I and I kind of want to say, in some ways, it's better than how Hostel was with its torture scenes. Where Hostel definitely went more fo- more so for the torture porn aspect of it by yeah. doing crazy over the top bloody stuff. Yeah, I would say uh, I would I think the torture in this movie is a lot better than Hostel because right. like when you go into Hostel, you're looking at you're looking for you you don't care about the emotions behind it. You don't really yeah. care about the characters that are being tortured. You're like, I just want to see what this dude's gonna fuck up. <laughs> like how he's yeah. gonna fuck this guy up. Right. While in this one, it's more like the whole point of the movie is like it makes you feel for him and wants you to kind of feel like in his foot in his shoes like you yeah. know it really puts you in the torture so instead of going all out with the gore they just go all out with the their acting and like act it yeah, out like because the torture they're doing to him isn't like extremely bloody stuff it's not things like you know, i mean not to like later on in the film yeah but you know but what like, i mean like, yeah like it's not super over the top they don't start off with like burning his eye socket yeah. with a fucking blowtorch and yeah. snipping his eyeball out no, they actually do start off though, like in very small ways. So, like, yeah, I forget what it is. I think it's um, I want to say it's like drain cleaner, bleach. Is it no? Because it, it was a blue liquid. Oh, uh, Drano. It was Drano. Or yeah, something like that. It, I think it was a drain cleaner. I, either way, don't have to be specific about yeah. it. But anyway, it's a chemical that shouldn't be in your body. Yeah, so she takes <laughs> a syringe of it and puts it into his throat, and like on one hand, like I kind of applaud them for like how intricate and smart they're being with the torture scenes in this movie and how a serial killer would act. Yeah. So the reason she's she, smart. Yeah. So, cause the reason she does that is that it, it gargles his vo- his vocal cords. So yeah. he can't really scream or speak or say anything. Mm-hmm. He just makes this really gargly noise. Yeah. You know, anytime he tries to scream, like I'm not going imi- to imitate it because I'm not going to hurt everybody's ears. <laughs> but you'll see what I'm saying. If you watch the film. Yeah. Um, so like it's, it's really kind of smart and I know it's weird to say like the torture scenes in this movie are awesome, <laughs> but like, keep it in mind, you're on the punk rock horror, punk rock horror podcast we love gore so we're talking about horror movies and how awesome like we talk about how awesome and hatchet it is when he cuts some dude's head off while he's or just like rips like a girl from behind or the old lady's face just rips it open like you know we're like yeah (laughs) just like an accordion style just (laughs) yeah so come on Um, (laughs) you know what you're in so but like they're just really well performed they're really well done um you know and it really just it gets at you it gets at you in a very just kind of unnerving way and even still watching the movie uh, for the fourth time now it still gets to me there's certain mm-hmm. scenes that just like ooh, just like really makes you cringe at just the sight of it and so with that it's a very brutal film and gets more brutal throughout yeah it and does. it is a solid five out of five with the buckets of gore in this one because although there aren't appendages being taken off and you know intestines flying <laughs> uh the torture scenes and the blood that come from it is just so well done and so well made that it warrants a 5 out of 5. Yeah, it's not it's good. And because it's so intense and so brutal, it also reinforces that. Yeah. Um, well, and also the intensity comes out. It's realistic. Yeah. It's extremely, it's extremely realistic. realistic. So I, like, I feel like they did their research on like... It's weird to say, but I feel like the writers were like, okay, could would this kill someone or were to just fuck yeah. up their vocal cords? You know, they right. probably researched on how on some of these like torture things. Are like, okay, we you know, this... 
how real realistically could someone survive this? Right. You know, I feel like that's kind of what they went through, like what she could do, and like and for more practical, like what household things can we use? Yeah. Because she never goes super over the top, you know. It's like yeah. all shit you can find just basically in your house, um, except for needles. So <laughs> at this point, syringe. we're also kind of just like being introduced to um, after that <laughs> happens. So after the syringe part, you're what yeah. we're talking about. Um, we're now seeing the dichotomy of the relationship between. Um, uh, Lola, her dad, and their mother, Lola's mother, um, who has been, uh, like, there's something wrong with her. You can't tell what it is, but if you pay close attention to her forehead, it gives you a direct idea what has happened to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, you kind of see that Lola is pulling all the strings. She's manipulating everything. Um, even with her dad, it gets to this very, very creepy point of where it's beyond a dad and daughter relationship. <laughs> and definitely yeah. a... Uh, uh, a loving type relationship. <laughs> you're my prom king. You're my, you're my prince, daddy. Daddy, daddy, can I we go to what, the ball? They're Australian. Why are we making them British? You know what? <laughs> what are we doing with that? You know why? Because the Australian accent came from a bunch of British pe- prisoners who were put there, and then they just modified. Right. So okay. You know what? They're descendants. <laughs> Crikey, you're my prince, damn. <laughs> Crikey, can we go see the king of England? <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> Look at that bugger right there. Easy now. Easy. <laughs> now let's get a stick. Come with a stick. <laughs> um, so, so anyways, as this is going on. Gosh, now, as, is like, we're going to fuck you guys up now. <laughs> so, as, as, as this is going on, you know, they're basically having the prom at her house. Like this twisted, fucked up prom at her house. And. Uh, what's making these intense scenes a little more easy because they keep going back and forth between the side story mm-hmm. of his friend on going on his on going to prom with this girl that he really likes, and so and the side story is kind of annoying at first <laughs> yeah. until you get further into movie into the movie and find out why it's there. Um, and I'll touch yeah, on that because in the beginning you're like, go back to the we where what's going on? Yeah, with it why really is, is so like drunk? that. You're just like, okay. why do I care about prom? I like, like the real well, fake problem. I mean, good for the friend. Like, <laughs> yeah. like actually seeing this, being able to go with the girl that he's like infatuated with. Yeah, well, good for him. Yeah, you know, but you're just like, is Brent gonna survive? <laughs> yeah, the entire you're time. You're not Brent. So, but I, I will say that it does help balance out a lot of the demented torture scenes. Like, yeah, you do need a you need a little breather. Yeah, because there is there is also just because another torture scene to touch on, like to give you the idea of like how brutal this thing actually is is that there's a point where um, Brent does is able to actually get out of his restraints. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he does that, he, you know, they eventually were able to catch him, and I'll touch on, like, that whole scene in a second here, but the way they bring him back and keep him from moving again is that they take his shoes off, but, like, hammer in uh, cutlery into his feet. Yeah. So they, they took, like, two steak knives and just, like, jam it into his feet into the floorboard. And so, like, and it's a very brutal scene. Yeah, that was rough. And oh. it doesn't help because, you know, he's trying to scream, but he can't. So all you're hearing is the, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, just kind of like that raspy type of sound. Um, but anyways, so it, it's, it's uh, what I, you know, it balances out, come back and forth, going between that. Um, so coming to the scene where Brent escapes. This, this is where my only two cons are. Um, so he has to say he has to go to the bathroom. So she asks him, do you have to go number one or number two? Um, and so he says he has to go in number one, so she makes him pee right then and there, still being restrained, and if he doesn't pee in time, they're gonna jam a nail through his dick. 
Mm-hmm. And so, um, the part that doesn't happen, but it's a very intense scene. But I just can help watch it and be like, he should. Yeah, sh- why didn't? He- what would have happened if he said he had to go too? You know, like would they make him shit himself? Or like the idea is he they might have just made him shit himself yeah. in there. But like, if there's a chance that they might pick him up to go shit somewhere else, then yeah. you know, I. I That'd be awesome, too. But with how demented she is, it's easy to believe that she would just make him shit himself. Yeah. Um, and I get that he <laughs> I probably... I wonder if they originally thought that, and they're like, no. <laughs> That's like, too like, hard. Like, that'd be, like, that'd be too humiliating for yeah. him. Yeah, like, no. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to shove a bottle up his ass or something like that. Right. <laughs> like, make right. him shit on the chair. <laughs> right, or something. Yeah. Or just, like, make blue liquid come... Or yeah. brown liquid come out. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, with that, so that's the scene where he does eventually end up escaping, though, because he's able to undo his restraints, and he runs out the house, and, um, he, as he's trying to escape, the dad's also kind of an idiot, because the dad, uh, thinks he gets away, Mm -hmm. and, like, is running off, uh, not not remembering that his feet are still tied together. So he gets in the truck, tries to go find him, and as he pulls out from the truck, sees Brent just kind of rolling and dodging the truck from running him over running him over and he's back against the tree the dad starts chasing him via the truck and brent actually climbs up a tree and then when he gets to that said tree that brent climbs up the dad like looks under the truck to see if he ran him over yeah even though you can see clearly in the shot brent is still climbing up the tree (laughs) and like the truck has the full view on him yeah and so like that's kind of like a dumb scene i'm just like uh, i'm like eric is kind of dumb and why didn't brent say number two instead those are my only two cons they're really not the biggest deal they don't ruin the movie um, but it's just worth pointing out. Mm-hmm. Um, with that as well, too, there, uh, I, I gotta start wrapping this up for my review. Um, I also love the fact that, in a lot of ways, that this movie does kind of flip gender roles. Yeah. So what I mean by that is that when we see movies like this before in the past, we normally have seen it where the guy is the dominant power. He's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And we see the girl who's restrained. Uh, I keep forgetting the yeah. name of the movie, but it was this film that started Elisha Cuthbert, and she was, like, stuck in this trap and it was kind of a similar situation of, of somebody being infatuated with a person and mm-hmm. trapping them in order to, like, get their... If they can't... If someone can't have them, no one can have them. Yeah. If she can't have yeah. them, no one can have they them. They do a lot of those movies. Um, but so it's really kind of nice, though, to see it flipped, where it's now this, like, uh, you know, five five foot five, probably, or five foot nine girl who you wouldn't suspect to be a murderer, yeah. uh, to be a serial killer... Being this terrifying actual, you know, butcher. Yeah. Um, and so, and because Brent, you know, he's supposed to be this dude who's in heavy metal and it's just like, you know, he's like probably six feet tall and, and yeah, he's in death metal, he's cutting himself, he's all seen, like, oh, yeah, God, fuck the world. Yeah. Fucking, like, <laughs> he, like, he, like, he's a brute, like, being a brutal dude, you know, yeah. being an angry teenager yeah. for the right reasons. But and still. he was the one with all the trauma. Yeah. Like, you think he, it kind of like leads to he would be yeah. the one. Well, see, that's what I love about it, because yeah. it also gets to this point where, like, there's the scene where uh, Brent goes to, from surviving just to survive, but it becoming personal. Mm-hmm. And when this happens is during a couple scenes. So there's one scene where she's trying to make him scream. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's trying to do it by with that knife scene in the feet. Yeah. And so she's, like, hitting him, trying to make him scream. And he's just, like, not doing anything. He's not yeah. screaming. He's not giving her that satisfaction. And he just looks her dead in the eye. He doesn't mm-hmm. give her a reaction at all. And I'm like, 
fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah like, that's hell yeah. Seems like, all hell right. Because yeah. she wanted him to react. She wanted him to cry about it. Yeah. But instead, he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that part. It was amazing. Um, and then the scene where it becomes personal is so she has this photo uh, this photo album of like all her other dates. And you mm-hmm. see that this this crazy thing that they're doing with Brent has been actually happening all her life since yeah. like she was in primary school. Um, and so even in just like first grade, like, you know, when there was a boy that she liked, but didn't like her back, the dad would kidnap him, do the same things to that little kid. Yeah. And then, um, she has all these pictures of all that, of all these boys she did to. And she's like, here's the one that got away. Yeah. And shows it. And that, that was, yeah, the, it was a good twist. And that was, and it's not the biggest twist because there's a bigger twist to it. And yeah. I'll, and, I'll, and I'll give a spoiler review for that one. But so you find out that the one that got away was the one that appeared on that road. Yep. That caused the accident that killed his dad. And so <laughs> when you kind of stop and think about it for a second, it was like, this got to a point now where Brent was just trying to survive just to survive to where he realized that the reason his, that accident happened that day, that the reason his dad's not here is because this bitch <laughs> kidnapped this dude. And if she would, if she wasn't doing this, none his of this would have happened. would still be alive. Exactly. Yeah. So like, for Brent, this becomes a serious thing. He's like, I'm going to get out of this and I'm going to fucking murder <laughs> you and your crazy dad. So, um, eventually, uh, it, it gets to that point where he starts fighting more. He starts getting away. He starts trying to fight back. And you find out that there's a cellar and then the cellar yeah, were all the other boys. Was fucking crazy. Yep. And, and it was the boys that she they kept. They yeah. didn't actually kill them. They kept the boys, and they keep them in the cellar, and they feed them, like, marmots and whatnot. Yeah. And so, like, that's where Brent's going to go next. And uh, eventually he does end up in that cellar. I'm not going to tell you how because I really want you to see that scene. It's not a big spoiler thing, but it's just a lot it, of detail. Yeah, there's a lot to it. So, but check it out. It's, it's fantastic. It's an awesome scene. But he ends up in that cellar um, and ends up... In the most fucking metal way possible. Which, by the way, I love that Brent's not a total idiot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, he tries everything to get out of that cellar. So, eventually, uh, what ends up happening is that, you know, his girlfriend and his mom don't know where Brent's at at this point. You know? Mm-hmm. His girlfriend's when to be picked up by Brent to go to the prom and never hears from him. And so, they're really concerned. So, he's basically a missing case. And his mom's assumed to worse that he's died now that she's lost her husband. She's also lost her son. Um, and so, like, it's it's touching on still, like, these very, very important trauma-infected um, people. Yeah. And so, with that, you know, Lo, his girlfriend is just, like, trying to think, you know, where could he be? Because she doesn't know where he's at. Because, again, he was he was kidnapped. You know, he was, he was taken. Mm-hmm. And then she remembers the conversation he had with her uh, the day prior... That he was talking to Lola Stone. Yeah. And she remembered that he mentioned Lola Stone. And she's like, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Calls the police. Uh, calls the police friend that she knows. And he goes out to find the house that Brent's being kept at. Finds Lola Stone's house. And um, at this point, the cop eventually gets killed by Lola. And so Brent's just, like, giving up at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, the cop finds Brent, finds the cellar because Brent's making all this noise to find him. Um, cop gets killed and so like instead of just giving up he uses the bodies of these kids that were basically turned into mm-hmm. savage cannibals over the years was because of the torture they endured yeah. by Lola and her father um, ends up killing them and stacks the bodies on top of each other in the most metal <laughs> way possible yeah. to like jump up and get out of the cellar 
So, but because it, what made that whole happen though is because uh, his girlfriend told the cop, "Lola Stone, go check out Lola Stone." And if he never did that, Brent would have never got out. Mm-hmm. Uh, because originally, what happened is that when she closed the cellar on Brent, she closed the door so he couldn't open them from the inside yeah. out. But because the cop showed up, yeah. she, uh, in her craze, walks away without closing the cellar. Yeah. And if it wasn't for him just making that one little mention of who he was talking to. Yeah. Like, he would have never been found. So, lesson learned. Uh, always be specific about random strangers <laughs> you meet when talking to close people that you know. Yeah. Be detailed. Just in case. Um, so, it, you know, he eventually gets out jumping off the stacked dead bodies that yeah. he makes. And, again, the most metal way possible. And so... Um, at this point, you know, the girlfriend's going over to Lola's place to also find Brent to see what's mm-hmm. going on. And you kind of end up finding something else out prior to the scene to where uh, I'm going to give a quick uh, spoiler warning. Spoilers! Because, th- because this is actually a good, a good, good twist for the whole film. So I'm going to give you about just kind of a minute. So skip ahead a minute if you don't want to be spoiled for you. Going at three, two... Alright, so you find out that um, the girl that Brent's friend uh, went with to prom, mm. she could tell that there's something going on with her the entire time. She's a very, very moody high school girl. And so you think it's just because she's a moody high school girl. But you find out after the prom, after she comes home drunk and he brings her home, um, she's laying in her bed and she's crying. You know, And you think, mm-hmm. like, did the friend do something wrong? And you hear her say, why can't you find him? And it pans to a scene of her picture next to her brother's picture, and her brother was the one that got away from Lola Stone. Yeah. And so you realize that this is finally more connected. <laughs> yeah, they're all connected. And so that's the point, because her dad is the cop. And mm-hmm. so at that point, the dad realizes, oh my god, uh, Brent talked to Lola Stone. Yeah. And it's just coincidental. It just, it's just weird how this is all adding up. Mm-hmm. And so that's how the cop ends up even going more so towards... Uh, Willow Stone's house and yeah. how he ends up there. So that's the end of the spoiler. Um, and so it's a really, really heartbreaking good twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to the ending of the film where eventually Brent does get away. Um, but by the time he finally gets out and like gets away, uh, his girlfriend and Lola are in a fight. Lola's trying to kill her um, based on the idea that, you know, you broke my heart, Brent. Now I'm going to break yours by killing your yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. And so they're fighting, and this ending is just so, so awesome because such she, a good ending. Yeah, because the girlfriend eventually gets away and is running while uh, Lola is chasing her down with a knife, and then Brent he takes the cop's car and misses his girlfriend, but doesn't see Lola and just like rams her with the car, <laughs> fucking impales yeah. her. And then again, I want to give another credit to uh, Rob McLevy for her portrayal of. Of Lola, because it, it's just even more commendable at this point. What ends up happening is that Lola's, you know, after being run over by the car, she has, like, her wrist is barely holding on. Yeah. Like, because it's just completely severed, and she's, like, crawling with the knife, pulling her forward. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, on, on her elbows, and fucking Brent grabs his girl, they get in the car, fucking reverse, <laughs> and just, like, slam and end this horrible nightmare come home to his mom who's happy to see him yeah and, and then and that's that that is the loved ones that is the film obviously that's just the review form there's more to it than that but this movie is hands down one of the best 
uh, horror movies with a female villain that has ever been made. Mm-hmm. And it's such such a sorrowful thing that it has not gotten as much love or attention. Yeah. Because it really deserves it. Because, it, I mean, just, again, the cast in this whole movie really sell it. Really, really good. Like it's, I had to keep reminding myself a few times that again, it is fake. Like you know, it's fake, but with how detailed and how in the parts they are, and realistic, uh, not the torture scenes where. Oh yeah, I mean, there's some scenes that seem a little overacting, kind of like Rob Zombie effect. Yeah, but it, it's really few and fair between that it's not even worth mentioning, um, because it's still great throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of finish this off with some trivia about the loved ones. Under the instruction of director Sean Byrne and Robin McLeavy, Robin McLeavy prepared for the role of Lola by researching the serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer as well watch, as watching Misery and Natural Born Killers and the works of Quentin Tarantino. The, mil, the movie was only filmed in four weeks. John Jarrett turned down the role of Daddy to avoid typecasting. Oh, I guess John Jarrett gets put a lot of those roles. Damn. Um, in an yeah, interview, for those who don't know, uh, John Jarrett is uh, the guy who plays uh, the villain in Wolf Creek. Oh, yep, that's right. Yeah. I was like, I knew was, I knew he was in Wolf Creek. Yeah, he's the villain. But I didn't I didn't think of how many other things he's in. Where he's just <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. He's like, I was I was already a serial killer. And I want to do it again. <laughs> um, so, in an interview with writer director Sean Bierne, film critic Chase Whale called antagonist Lola. Princess, one of the greatest villains in horror history, and I absolutely, and, I absolutely uh, agree with that. One last thing: Lola Stone is an anagram for lost and alone. Uh, when this was mentioned to Sean in a premiere Q and A screening, he was as wowed and amazed as the audience were because he didn't even have an idea. <laughs> he had no. It idea is about lost it. and alone, huh? Yeah. yeah, that's really funny. Yep. Um, if you want to check out Loved Ones now, you can. It's free on Tubi. If you don't mind commercials, it's also available for rental on for two ninety nine on Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, and iTunes for three ninety nine. So check it out. Um, if you have an Amazon Prime account, it does go from being free to being rented. Uh, on and off but still check it out it's worth your time it's worth your investment Mm -hmm. if you're wanting a horror movie that you haven't really seen something uh new in a while or just a new take on something uh, an already established genre this is definitely one for you you are seriously missing out if you have not watched the loved ones all right cody what's yours all righty so this one's a little bit more well known than uh the loved ones but it's still one of the best movies with a female antagonist because ever. it just be ever because it just it comes out of nowhere too at the very end. So, um, I did my movie on audition. Yeah. So for those who know, uh, audition came out in 1999. Um, it the synopsis is a widow a widower takes an offer to screen girls at a special audition arranged for him by a friend to find him a new wife. The one he fancies is not who she appears to be after all, though. Uh, it was directed by the legendary Takashi uh, Mike. It was written by Ryu Murakami and uh, Daisuke uh, Tengun. It stars Ryo uh, Ishibashi, uh, Ihi Shina, and Tetsu Sawaki. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nice thing about Jap- Jap- the language of Japanese is that it literally sounds exactly how it's spelled. I'd like to thank <laughs> all my training from watching anime. Yeah, all those nights of watching Dragon Ball Z and uh, fucking Big uh, Big O and Cowboy Bebop at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this movie, 
it is a very it is a very slow burn. So be prepared for it. It is an extremely slow burn of a movie. Yeah. So it True. just be just be just a heads up. That is my one uh, my biggest con is uh, how uh, how slow it is like for the burn to happen. Like it's still a pretty good paced well paced movie. I enjoyed it. Everything's really well paced. It's a really good detail oriented movie. Um, they really make you care about all the characters that are in this movie some way. Like, it makes you feel for someone, uh, every single main character in some way, whether it's bad, good. It, it really does a good job of making you yeah. feel for these characters in this movie. Agreed, agreed. Um, and so, but it starts off really, really sad. Like, it literally just starts off with, uh, the main, uh, your main character. I have to go all the way down to see his name because they didn't say it in the beginning. Ioka. Um, you see Ayoka at, or Ayoma, I, Aoyama, sorry, Aoyama is our main character. You see him, uh, at his wife's deathbed and he's, you know, wishing her goodbye and his son, you see his son walking through the halls and it's so heartbreaking because he has a gift basket that he made for his mom from school. Yeah. Says, get well, mom, I hope to love you and all this sweet stuff. And his son literally walks in five seconds after his mom dies Oof. like the wife dies right then and there his son walks in and is like dad i made this for mom and his dad's like ah god and you're just like ah god like just right from the beginning <laughs> yeah and then it jumps forward several years and it shows uh i i normally don't like those but it it, it helps like it really made you feel because it's there's a point so jumps forward several years to the son's already he's older i think he's in his early uh he's a teenager he's dating and him and his dad and uh, dad are fishing, and they're talking about relationships. And his sons and his dad is like, "Ah, you you don't know love. You're young, you know that kind of thing." <laughs> oh, you think you know love, <laughs> you youngster? Young, you don't know what real love is. And so, exactly. And so, for the first like, I would say 15 minutes of the movie, it's just everyone's talking to him about finding love again. His son's like, Dad, you should get remarried. Yeah. He And uh, his receptionist comes up to him. There's really weird interactions between them throughout the whole movie. The dad, Ayuama uh, and his receptionist, but she's telling him that she's getting married. His friend just told him that he's he just got lucky and has a couple girls. Yeah. Like, everyone around him is having someone. Um, and so then he finally, like gives up and he's just like fuck it and he talks to his friend he's like i think it's time for me to get married out and so his friend yeah. is like okay well what kind of woman do you want and he's like do you <laughs> want a young one because his friend is like dude you're fucking old what do you mean you want to get married again just fuck around yeah and he's like but whatever you know fine i'll help you out what do you want and so he Which, goes in by the way we should also mention they definitely talk about this in a more sophisticated manner not really you don't think so his friend not really oh yeah no his friend no, his, but yeah, no i'm his, talking about from yeah, him him aoyama is a yeah. lot more sophisticated yeah because no, he's not a is. dick he really yeah. isn't a dick his friend's like kind of he's dick. just <laughs> he you know he lost his wife he was raising his son and if anybody knows yeah. the japanese culture it's very work oriented extremely yeah. work oriented yeah. especially for the men in japanese culture and so that's what he dedicated his life to. And someone commented on him, you look tired. You need to get laid, is basically what they were saying. Yeah. Like, it's 
a lot more classy, but literally everyone's just going, dude, come Get on, late, bro. you're you're just working, you're not happy, you need something, you need a you need a partner, dude. It's like what everyone's telling me. Get a raincoat on your dick and jump yeah. out in the and rain. I, and I'm gonna just say like my own personal personal just view on the whole thing: be happy with yourself first before you try and find something and with someone else. Yeah. And he does, and I think that's what he does because he really does start looking at his life and he's like, I think I need to find someone. So he's talking to his friend. And this is how you know he's not really a creep. He's like, I even though he says like, oh, yeah, I'd like a younger woman. He's like, I want a, a career woman. He wants he wants his yeah. next wife, who's already you know she's past all the like young stuff. Like she's already has a career. She knows what she wants. He wants a strong woman. He even said she doesn't have to be rich. Right. She just has to a confident woman that knows what she wants. And is just like you know is proud to be you know who she is. That's kind of what he wants. You know what every person should want a strong uh, individual. Um, and so his friend right. says, "I'll I'll help you out." And so he finds an old script that they wrote way long ago. And he said, "Yeah, this is a script that we wrote." And he's like, "Oh, I remember that. It did good, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, but we're gonna modify it. We're gonna do a movie. And not only are we gonna be doing a movie." But you, you, I'm going to give you all the women that I find that for this movie, and you're going to pick your favorite 30, and you're also going to try... It's also to help audition a wife for Aoyama. And, and Aoyama is like, at first, he's kind of like, I don't know, that kind of seems sketchy, but then he just jumps into it. And he's like, ah, fuck it, you know, let's, let's see what's the worst that can happen. I don't find anyone I have to actually date. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's like, but I'm too old to date. Yeah, and so... Um, so his friends are like, all right, so I'm going to broadcast on the radio that we're auditioning for a play. All these, you know, send in all your info. He's like, don't worry. Just show up on this day. I'll send you the headshots. Just pick 30 girls and come back on this day. And so, and he does tell him that, but don't, but then the Ayoyama's like, well, what if it's the leading lady? Like, she's not going to have any interest in me. And he's like, you're not going to marry the leading lady, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> he's just uh, like, I mean, I, let's be real. You're, be getting, you're, you're getting the fifth runner up because she's happy. Like, his whole reasoning was like, because the leading lady, the leading actress, isn't a happy woman. They're not happy. You're the fifth one's going to be happy because she's just here for fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, that's what he said. And so they broadcast the audition in it, but then it just shows uh, a scene where you see a woman sitting in a, an abandoned looking room with just a couple things and a giant burlap sack. And she's just sitting there and she's just listening to the radio and you hear the audition over the radio. And so Ayuama, you see him like starting to feel guilt over everything because he's looking through these headshots and he's and he sees a picture of his wife and he turns it around and he's like he's starting to feel guilty over possibly finding light uh finding a new love which you know he lost his wife in death it wasn't a divorce you know they loved each other they had a they had a marriage and she died it, it would be hard no matter how long it is so you feel for the guy and it's like yeah and so but during this whole thing he spill he spills coffee on one specific application and he just gets obsessed with it he's obsessed with this application he reads yeah. it he's just so happy about everything it says in there and it's asami that it's from asami like it's her application and he's just really into it and so then you see all the auditions you see your one pair of titties for the horror movie there's no point in them actually being there but they saw it and the guy his friend is acting asking some really like weird questions like um have, have you ever had sex like would you yeah. have sex for this position would you like you know just off the wall questions but 
Hayayama doesn't ask anything throughout the entire audition until Asami shows up. And then he starts asking her and he tells her, he actually asks her questions about her application. He's the only, she's the only one he asks. Yeah. And he said the one thing that he loved was her thought. It was giving up on a dream is like accepting death and she's okay with that. She had to give up her dream of being a ballet dancer because she hurt her hip. And it was, it was basically like accepting that she's dead. Yeah. And that's what she tells him. And he's like, that's really like... That's really big of you to think of, of how young you are. Like, You're really mature for your age. Yeah. And he's like, I want to get in that. It's basically like, <laughs> it's true though. Like everyone ignores everyone except her. her. And then he calls her that night to ask her out on a date the next day. And my big thing, guys. Like, hey, Asami, how you doing, girl? Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's kind of how it is. Actually, <laughs> yeah. he's like, how you doing? She's yeah. like, I really liked you. you She's like, hey, I just bought some yeah. new razor wire. So, yeah, and so (laughs) hey, I'm gonna gut you, (laughs) but like, wait, wait, like I don't care how excited you are. She even said I want you to call me and stuff, and just wait on it, dudes. Just wait a day or two, sit on it. You never know. Anyway, so and then his friend calls him the next day. This is why I was like, this is why you wait. You don't do it the night of. Calls him the next day and said, I looked into Asami. Her last agent disappeared. There's no trace of her. Yeah. And I was like, red flag. <laughs> um, and so she lies to Ayama saying that she had no idea who he actually was. She was going through, it, it was a guy through a guy was how she knew her agent and stuff like that. And she would just get him, yeah. She would just get him. She would just, he would just get her parts and like, that's what she would say. And she's, and she said, she says she'd like to do it again because she trusts him and hasn't had anyone to trust. She says that on the first date and wants to go on a second date. That she would like to do it again because she finally trusts this guy. Yeah. And she trusts Ayoyama. And so his friend again, after their second and third date, they go on a couple. He goes, his friend calls him and says, she's too good to be true, man. There's so much about her application that was exactly what you wanted. There's too much. It was too coincidental. Like, come on. And, And another big thing, he's like, also... It, there's no background. She has yeah. no background. They can't find anything about her except for what she said on her in her uh, uh, audition, audition paper. Yeah, you know, and so every time right before it shows that Ayama is going to call her, it shows Asami just sitting in a room with a giant bag, and she's just sitting. And then the phone calls, and she just smiles because she knows she got him. Yeah, she's got him. <laughs> she's like. She <laughs> And so, like, you see the bag rolling around and stuff at one point. You're like, what the fuck? When, the, like, the phone goes off. And so you you wonder, what's in the bag? What's in the bag? What's in the bag? <laughs> um, and so Ayoyama finally comes out and, like, tells her that the auditioning was fake. Like, it was all yeah. for him to try, kind of meet a girl. And he says that he's really, ha- that he's so happy that she he met her. And she tells him she doesn't even care. She wrote in her audition that she didn't care. She, she knew she wasn't going to get the, the main role. And she's just happy that she finally met him. That she yeah. was actually, she met him. She's like, I'm so happy to finally meet someone that I trusted. And they're like, oh, yeah. And there's this really weird. And so when they first have sex, it's really, really weird. Because she's really cryptic. She's just lays on, on the bed. She strips down. She's just telling him like, do you love me? Only love me. Yeah. She says, love no one but me. 
And she says, you need to look at me. Look, And she shows him her scar. She only has two scars on her leg. And she's like, you need to look at me. I love me. Just me. Just only me. me. Only me. And he's like, I love you. And then they bone. And this is where it gets weird because there's a lot of sequences that happen that are like, is it a dream? Is it not? Is it a dream? Is it not? And this is one thing that I love about Korean and Japanese films is because they do this and it like kind of makes you think like, is it a dream? Is it not? What's going on? Yeah. Because he has a dream that she's gone and then he has another he wait then he has another dream that he wakes up that morning and she's there and he's just like, what the hell? But so you find out that her leaving in the middle of the night is the reality. Because she ghosts him, completely ghosts him. She doesn't call him anymore. She doesn't answer his messages. Everyone's like telling him, just forget her. And he literally does that entire thing of, why well, can't I quit you? <laughs> <laughs> He's infatuated mm-hmm. with her. He's obsessed. To the point where he goes through her audition papers and just reads it clear and hunts down where she her old studio used to be. Yeah, like goes to all these clues. different places. And everywhere he goes, it's all broken down. It's been abandoned for years. Like, she goes to her apartment. No one's lived there. The guy even said, like, he runs into a tenant, and he was like, no one's lived there. And and it's at this apartment (laughs) that she... Yeah. Well, she claims she was taking care of this lady that worked, that lived there for three days out of the week. That's how she was able to fund everything. But the guy was like, nah, no one's lived there for, like, a year. Someone was brutally murdered there. And they were hacked to pieces, and when they're and when the cops were like cleaning up the crime scene, they found extra fingers, an extra tongue, and an extra ear that didn't belong to anyone there. Yeah. So if you were going to find said girl that you were interested in, and you found the place that she's claimed to live in for a little while, and then you found a tenant that lived there, and the guy was like, Yeah, the person a person who lived there was brutally murdered not too long during the timeline that she said she was there and there was extra body pieces of someone who didn't even live there. Yeah. What would you do? Yeah, that's just a coincidence. Would you be like (laughs) Yeah. I would be like I'm good. You know what? I'm gonna go hit Tinder up or something. (laughs) It could be anyone who did it. Anyway, I'm sorry, nineteen ninety nine. I'm gonna go make a dating tape. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on Comcast. Yeah, like so. It's like that. That no, you know what he does. You know what Ayoyama does. Instead, he goes and goes back to the abandoned fucking area of where like her old place yeah. was. Breaks into there, finds some dude in a wheelchair playing the piano. Oh, sorry, this happens before he gets to the apartment. I apologize. I mean, either I way. It but... Up. But anyways, he goes to that place. He breaks in. He sees this guy playing the piano. And this guy's like super cryptic in what he says, and then he's like, "You saw a saw me naked, didn't you? You boned her. You <laughs> saw her. You let her into your life." And he just starts laughing his ass off at him. And this guy has fucked up feet oh yeah and you see these like that he has like fake feet on and then these metal things and you're like what the fuck happened to this guy like who are you and just like ayoyama bails and then he gets to that apartment and so this part kind of pissed me off a little bit this is one of my cons so when the guy tells him about the pieces ayoyama looks at the door has a scared face and then looks at the guy like he like just scared him out of nowhere and he's like and it was like the dude was there the entire time yeah like what do you mean? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And so, during all of this, too, you're starting to see small flashbacks of what happened to Asami when she was younger. And yeah. so, you see that the guy in the wheelchair actually used to burn her legs because she wasn't doing ballet right. And then he was jerking off while she was doing ballet and stuff. This dude is creepy, and you find out it was her uncle and stuff. And it's like, oh, God, fuck this guy. Anyways, so, he goes through all of that. 
He tries to hunt her down, finds out all this disturbing things that are possibly about her, and then he goes home, and he's already, and, but, and so he goes home, he takes a drink of scotch, and just before you see that, you see this whole scene of someone running to the scotch in first person, you don't know what's going on, and he's drugged, and just fucking falls, and is that, this is where all the shit happens. So, I'm gonna do a quick little spoiler review and it's going to be over the torture scene so for those of you who aren't super into torture and rather hear about it first and then try and go watch it go through the uh the spoiler for those who don't want to see it who don't want to hear about it and you want to see it all in its glorious detail um i would say skip ahead about one minute and yeah so going in three three, two two, one. one so in the torture scene Asami comes out, she rolls him over, tells him how, like, oh, you love your son, you don't love me, like, I'm gonna, this is what's gonna happen to you. And so she rolls him over, lays a burlap sack down, rolls him back over, rips his shirt off, and pulls out these metal pins and starts doing acupuncture in his stomach. And she's like, this is the worst, the most painful area of your gut. And she poisoned him into where his nerves are extra sensitive so she can he can feel all the pain. She does all that and then just scoots her, her ass all over his stomach with the pins in there, sticks needles in his eyelids, under his eyes. And it's like showing all of this. And she's like whispering, deeper, 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 kitty, 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 kitty. And then she pulls out a garrote and fucking just saws off his right. foot in detail. You hear it. They show the whole entire thing and you see his foot pop off. Oh. And it's just, oh my God. And then she goes on to the second foot. And then right at that point, that's when the torture ends. That was the end of spoiler. End of torture. <laughs> end of torture. Torture spoiler. So, all this is happening, and during his torture, he has like flash scenes where he's like a lot of things come to light. You find out that he like had uh, uh, he stooped the receptionist, and that's why there was always that like this re- really weird uh, stuff going between them. And then right before like the uh, the torture scene is about to like get even creepier, fucking oh, I love it. His son, Ayuyama's son, comes in, and he is the smartest person in this entire thing. Holy shit. So he comes in, she comes up behind him, and like is about to like attack him, and he sees her, and he's like, I don't know you, and just instantly runs. Like He sees his dad all fucked up, sees someone that he doesn't even know, and just books it, and is just running away from her, and it's great. So I'm going to stop it there, because I'm not going to spoil what happens at the end, because it's really, really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Just know the son was extremely smart, and he's my favorite character in this entire movie. Um, but yeah, so that's audition. Uh, that's my review on audition. I just think I'm not gonna. I don't want to say any more about it. Definitely need to see it, especially if Definitely. you're huge into Japanese horror. This is one of the key movies to see. Um, couple fun facts about it. Uh, when the film was screened at the Rotterdam Film Festival in 2000, it had a record number of walkouts. At the Swiss premiere, someone passed out and needed emergency room attention. Um, it's just that brutal. Described by Quentin Tarantino as a true masterpiece, if, if, if ever there was one, in a video discussing his favorite films released between 1992 and 2009. Heavy metal musician and horror movie director actor Rob Zombie admitted he found this movie to be the most creepy and unsettling of any horror movie he's ever watched. The music video for the first single of My Chemical Romance, Honey, The Mirror Isn't Big Enough for the Two of Us, had a very similar storyline to the movie but with a different ending. 
Uh, and included among the, this movie is included among the 1001 movies you must see before you die by Steven Sh- uh, Schneider. Schneider. Mm-hmm. You can catch Audition right now if you want to watch yep. it yourself on Amazon Prime for $2.99 for rent or Voodoo for yep. $2.99. So, oh yeah, sorry. I just wanted to just like jump on one more thing. I didn't go about any of the dream sequences in this movie because those are the reasons why all these guys are saying these things were the the last dream sequences in the last yeah. half hour. And I didn't want to go into detail because you got to see them for yeah. yourself. I, th- I, I, think, I think we've given enough good detail about yeah, it. That's, I know. I just wanted to go over the... I didn't want to like go into detail for the dream sequences. You're so, totally cool. This is a long one. This was a long one. Oh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try... During edit, I'll try to cut mm-hmm. out as much of the filler as possible. Yeah, there's... Yeah, but... So, but with that being said, thank you for tuning in again. Yeah. Um, but before we give our whole spiel, I want to give a big, huge thank you again out to all of you for supporting us yeah. and being listeners of us and just fans of us and being so motivating for us for getting us past 100 episodes. Yeah, I um, want to thank you guys a lot. We so, can't thank you enough. If it wasn't for you, for all of you listeners, we wouldn't be here doing this. Right. We're, we're talking about kind of trying to figure out something we could do for all the listeners to thank all of you for all your heart, for just being amazing. Um, and more will come of that with as the time passes on. Mm-hmm. But we're, we want to figure out a really good reward, something that we can actually deliver on and, and that you would really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that being said, to... Stay tuned to that, and what we're going to do, the best way to do it, is to like us and follow us on Facebook, on Facebook at Punk Rock Horror Podcast, or on our Twitter, official PRHP, or... On Instagram, Punk Rock Horror Podcast, hashtag PRHP Podcast. You can also follow me at The Undead Matt on Instagram. You also can check out our website uh, on uh, punkrockhorrorpodcast.com. Please check out our other store called Punk Rock Horror Store. That's the one where we partner with Ether's Oath, and we put those products up. We also still brought up our Teespring again. We figured mm-hmm. out the issues that we're having with it, but we also so we brought it back up. It's running again, so you mm-hmm. can go back and get officially uh, dedicated merch that we make mm-hmm. ourselves on Teespring. Um, that is the difference between both those stores. All those links will be below. If you want to consider supporting the show, please go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Mm-hmm. While you're at it, please also check out Gorehounds Playground. Give them a yeah, like and follow on Facebook if you're out of state or too, a little too far away. But if you're near town, if you're near Gorehounds, please come check it out. Give yourself a good horror movie. And mm-hmm. just hang out. Talk to Jeff. He knows a lot about horror. Probably yeah. he knows more than we do, honestly. Yeah, he'll give you some good recommendations. He's helped me out with a lot of my movies oh, yeah. for these reviews. Yeah. Uh, shout out to our music producer, Big Boot Studio. Please check out Big Boot Studio on Instagram. Link is in the description. Our artist, Megan, Ether's Oath, for being an amazing, amazing, clo- amazing clothing group. And thank you to all of you ghouls, gals, creeps, and it's alike for continuing, continuing to be amazing and just fantastic overall. Um, that being said... We will talk about horror with you next time. And remember to scare the establishment. Do it. Do it.